Welcome to your football fantasy. Hey dipshits, and welcome back to your football fantasy. One more episode for you guys here as we roll along. You know, before we get started, just want to remind y'all you can catch us on Twitter at DweezNuts. Reach out to us at yourfootballfantasy at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you want to hear to tailor the show to your needs. So this week, as you may have heard previously, Big Wiz is out of town. He's in India, so he will not be joining us on the show today. Big fucking whoop. Ramrod offered his services, but I promise to shield you from that doofus. So it's just me. It's just Dweez Nuts today, your host and best friend. So our episode today is all about the free agency. You've seen it. You watched it on Twitter as it all unfolded, just like I did. And holy shit. Why does the legal tampering period even exist? There were more goddamn quote-unquote contract signings in that day and a half than you could follow. I mean, fuck. Just open the goddamn free agency and let the let the chaos begin. Why do you tease us with this bullshit that doesn't really mean anything anymore? I mean, the Kirk Cousins deal was the prime example of the idiocy here. You know, he schedules a trip with a team for later in the day. The news is all about, oh, he's going to visit Minnesota before he gets on the fucking plane. And he's got a contract worked out with them, all but signed. Like, why bother? Just fucking open the free agency and let people start doing what they what they want to do here. Let's get the signings underway. By the time free agency actually opened Thursday at 4-whatever, everybody that was worth watching was gone, at least from a fantasy perspective. That's when we turn to uh, defenses, linemen, that thing, which, yes, that's important. But come on, what we want to know is all the shit that happened before it even opened. So if you're one of those that... You know, didn't check until Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, thinking, hey, free agency hasn't started yet. You missed all the fun. So here's what we'll do today. We're going to talk about a lot of these big name signings. We're going to talk about a lot of uh, fantasy relevant players being dropped from their teams. I'll give you a little bit about my, my two cents about what I think about the moves, how they're going to affect those players and the other players on the teams involved. Uh, I, I will pose more questions today than I will give answers. I think it's important to start thinking about this stuff. Uh, and, and you know, nobody really knows how it's going to work out until we see these guys start playing with the team. We see the, the draft come and go. So I want to plant some questions in your head, some things that you might watch for as this, as the offseason unfolds so you can make uh, wise decisions about the value of these guys. Uh, so let's dive on in. The first signing I think that I saw the day was Case Keenum going to the Broncos, which you know, it may have been a surprise to you if you hadn't been paying too close attention that he was gone before Cousins, but uh, a couple of days before Rappaport came out and said it was likely to happen, and it sure did. I'll say this about this move. The Broncos still have every intention of at, of at least very seriously considering a quarterback in the first round. So is Keenum the final answer for them? I don't know. I don't think they know yet. Uh, but, but he's there now. He's going to play this year, and it's an absolute improvement from the the bullshit that was the under center play for the Broncos last year. We saw what Keenum could do last year. I believe uh, that what he did last year was more representative of what he'll continue to do than the previous years of him as a backup in various places. The kid's a smart kid. He's learning as he's going. He's improving. Uh, I, I like him there. Emmanuel Sanders is Demarius Thomas. I think it brings their uh, values right back up to where they were maybe even a couple of years ago. 
Yes, Demarius Thomas will be overdrafted. Yes, Emmanuel Sanders will be underdrafted. Uh, that's the guy I go for here. I think both of them will get plenty of looks, plenty of opportunity. You know, just look at last year with Thielen and Diggs. Both of them caught a lot of passes. Keenum was throwing them the ball, and that was in a more technically a more conservative offense where they wanted to hand the ball off more than anything else because they didn't necessarily trust Keenum either. I think the the coaches in Denver kind of trust Keenum enough to give him the reins and let him air it out a little bit. You know they don't trust their running backs. They're not going to anyway drop C.J. Anderson, but they don't like him. Uh, so I expect Keenum to do just fine this year. He's going to be a streamable quarterback on occasion. I think his receivers are really going to get a boon uh, based off of at least last year's performance. I like them. I like Sanders better as a value guy. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. These guys, ugh, Cleveland made a ton of trades. We talked about their trades last week, so we won't get too much deeper into those. We made some pickups here. You know, they went out and they went out and signed uh, Carlos Hyde. Uh, they Joe Thomas retired on them, and then they went out and signed Darren Fells, who you say, who fucking cares? But Darren Fells is one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the league. You know, you can expect that they're going to do a little more work on that offensive line, although that offensive line was definitely serviceable last year. I think they were middle of the league. They're doing everything they can here to better the offense. Twitter went apeshit when the Carlos Hyde signing went down. People going off about how Carlos Hyde was dead now, his career was over. Yeah, maybe. You know, the Browns are definitely not the best place in the world to be. My really, my bigger concern, not just that, you know, he's a Brown now, but is is the opportunity. You know how I feel about opportunity. It's outrageously important when determining the value of these fantasy players. But you've got Josh Gordon, you've got Corey Coleman, you've got Jarvis Landry, now you've got Carlos Hyde, you still got Duke Johnson in that backfield. That's a lot of guys for a team that doesn't score a lot of points historically. Uh, playing with a quarterback that hasn't in his career shown the ability to sustain super long drives. He doesn't, when he's playing, tend to run that many plays, guys. There's just not a lot of opportunity. We'll see what happens in the offseason. How the Browns decide to define themselves as a team is is the thing that's going to be most important. Uh, Hugh Jackson did say at the beginning of last season or at the end of last offseason that they wanted to be a running team. That did not pan out. So let's watch what happens uh, in uh, the preseason with this team to see, you know, are they actually going to come out and be a running team? Are they actually going to come out and be a passing team? They have the potential, at least for weapons, in either offensive scheme. If they stick to one of those significantly over the other, then some of these guys might start to have value. But I, I'm concerned about the opportunity for all of them. And then there's the big issue. You know, the Browns are still picking at one and four. Do they take Saquon Barkley? There's a lot of conflicting information here. Uh, they, they're they still considering it, they say. Is that just a bunch of bullshit, blow it up your, your ass draft talk? Who knows? If they do, then fuck, that's another guy to split carries between, split touches between. Even if they don't, I'm concerned. Uh, let's watch what happens with this team to see if they define themselves. Let's move on. There's a lot here, guys. The Kansas City Chiefs, Sammy Watkins goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got a three-year deal for 48 million dollars the Chiefs believe in Sammy Watkins which is incredible because he's had one good season he's got a big name and that's about it but hey look he got paid good for him the Chiefs saw something they liked if Wiz was here he'd tell you that Andy Reid is never wrong uh, and, and here we go now he's gonna line up opposite the field as Tyreek Hill and here are the questions that I have who's gonna get these targets you know, Hill was the big, he, Hill got all the targets last year on the team uh, that weren't at least going to Kareem Hunt. 
and that weren't going to Travis Kelsey. Uh, who's going to get him now? Is it going to be Hill? Is it going to be Watkins? Who's going to be the no more targeted guy? Is Hill going to go back to his original role as a deep threat specialist? It's hard to see the team going away from him as a guy that can catch the ball all over the field. But that's, you know, that's Watkins' role too. Both of these guys can play the deep ball. Both of these guys have at least shown the ability to run intermediate routes. Uh, who's going to play what position for this team? They both can't just streak down the field on every play and leave it open underneath for Hunt and Kelsey. Can they? I, I mean, shit, that'd be great if they could. Kareem Hunt is uh, is one of my keepers going into next season. So we'll see. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes has that penchant for deep balls. He's got that insane arm strength. So is the guy that becomes a deep threat going to be more valuable than the guy that becomes a high target threat? If Watkins can stay healthy, you know, I, I, I'm unsure of how exactly to value these two guys just yet. There's a good opportunity uh, that both of them do just fine. Let's remember this about Andy Reid. Andy Reid gets really, he's like the kid at Christmas who gets super fucking jacked for his brand new toy. And he spends the next two weeks doing nothing but playing with that toy, forgetting about everything else that exists in his toy box. There's a lot of shiny new toys on this team if you think Watkins' name counts as a shiny new toy. I I see Andy Reid picking one or two of these guys and spending three weeks or so doing nothing but giving them the ball, which makes it really hard to value any of them for the course of a whole season in fantasy football. You know, if if I'm going to go out and get one of these receivers, I'd really prefer to have both of them. But I think Tyreek Hill's going to get drafted really early, and rightfully so for his finish last season. You know, if Drott, if Watkins can drop to the seventh or eighth round, I'd take him. I wouldn't take him any earlier than that. I have also got concerns here for what's going to happen with Kelsey. I've also got concerns here what's going to happen with my boy Kareem Hunt. Just because, like I said, man, shiny new toys are Andy Reid's favorite things. Uh, and Kareem Hunt was that for just a few weeks at the beginning of the la- of last season. Now there are new names in town. Let's move on to my Chicago Bears. Man, they made a splash on Wednesday. Going out and signing Allen Robinson, arguably the best wide receiver available in all of free agency this year. Then they turn around and signed Trey Burton, who, yes, he was a backup last season, but give me a fucking break. This kid is special at the tight end position. Uh, they go out and make another signing that I really like with Taylor Gabriel. You know, he can play somewhere in the slot there. If you put Allen Robinson on the outside, Cam Meredith, if he's back and healthy on the other side, with Taylor Gabriel in the middle of the field and uh, Trey Burton running safeties off, come on, guys. Uh, don't forget Tariq Cohen's there. Jordan Howard's running the ball. This team went from one of the most starved offenses in the league for talent to one of the more talented offenses and more weapon-friendly offenses really quickly. However, as a fan and as a fantasy player, I am hesitant, and it all comes back to the quarterback play. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is good enough to sustain an NFL offense, to sustain an offense full of fantasy value or fantasy talent. The one guy that I like most here is... Burton, as a tight end, you know, underneath stuff, tight ends don't necessarily rely on great quarterback play 
to get theirs. He's going to instantly, at six whatever he is, uh, he's going to instantly be a red zone threat, catch some touchdowns. I trust that that'll happen. Uh, of all the guys, of all these signings, of all the weapons on the team, give me Trey Burton first. I also think he's going to be undervalued in your draft class just because he was a backup last season. And you'll have plenty of stat rats who just look at last year's statistics to decide who they like. You know, if uh, if Nagy can figure out how to use Taylor Gabriel like Shanahan did a couple of years ago in Atlanta, we might have something special there. He's, he's, he's video game quick with the ball in his hands if you can get creative to get the ball in his hands he can make plays for you and then you don't need Trubisky let's look at what Todd Gurley did with Goff last year you know Gurley caught most of his passes behind the line of scrimmage and made Jared Goff's numbers look great from the work he did with the ball after the catch so you know Taylor Gabriel could have an opportunity to do well here I don't really like drafting I'm not I don't think I'll be drafting Allen Robinson anywhere this year he's gonna go higher, I think, than he should. I bet he'll be drafted uh, top 10 receiver, which is it's going to be tough for him to finish there, I think. These other two guys, okay. I am concerned about Tariq Cohen's stock, which was skyrocketing here early in the offseason, uh, but Taylor Gabriel is bound to take away some of the opportunity for Tariq as they are the same player. They're outrageously quick. They're small guys. They're fast. They are video game players are Madden guys, and that's going to be difficult for, for both of them to succeed on the level uh, that we kind of were, were hoping Tariq could this year. Uh, next team we're looking at, let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not a lot of moves here. Uh, they signed Cameron Brait back to the team for six years and $41 million. Guys, that is a huge contract for a tight end. It is even bigger when you consider that they drafted O.J. Howard so high last year. I hate O.J. Howard, always have. To me, he's got mayonnaise hands. He doesn't belong catching the ball. Let him block. He's really good at blocking on that line. Brait is, is, or at least should be, the receiving tight end top option on this team. Uh, this commitment from the team, six years, $41 million, gives you the idea that They'll at least try to commit to him. I, I see some inconsistency uh, keeping steady. Last year, it, we went back and forth near the back half of the year between Howard and Brait, who was getting it done. One game, Brait would go off for a couple of touchdowns. The next game, he'd have one catch, and Howard was the one catching the ball. I, I kind of see that continuing next year. Unfortunately, you know, Brait is going to continue to be a streaming option for you at best until the team decides to start using O.J. Howard as what he is otherwise you know they let Doug Martin go and signed Peyton Barber back we saw Peyton Barber get the opportunity a little bit here or there as a backup and he flashed a little with some talent he's got some talent but his contract is one year 660,000 it's near the league minimum at the position guys he's not going to be the starting running back here don't get excited about it you know if you're if you're drafting early if you're doing a dynasty startup early if you're drafting best ball don't bother with Peyton Barber they're going to draft a kid in the run in the in the NFL draft to, to take over the starting role and they just want Barber as a backup as he's proved to be serviceable uh, so so watch who they end up getting I don't know that I love any running back coming into Tampa Bay right now but but we'll check that NFL draft for you and see what happens okay so the big news everybody was waiting for Kirk Cousins does go to the Minnesota Vikings with an unprecedented contract three years 
$86 million, which, yes, is the highest numbers that exist. Uh, but even bigger than that, all of that money is guaranteed. That's insane, guys. Uh, he could get he could break his leg tomorrow, and they'll pay him $86 million regardless. Now, as far as the fantasy value of these receivers, tight ends, and running backs on the team, look, I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's a whole lot of change from last year. Uh, Cousins does throw the ball a little bit, or he has in the past, thrown the ball a little bit more than Keenum has or did last year under this coaching staff, but the team was successful with the model they used. Dalvin Cook is coming back. I don't expect a whole lot to change, guys. You know, there were times when Diggs and Thielen were both in the top five in the league. You can expect some version of that again. Dalvin Cook is going to be a stud this year, both in the backfield and out of the backfield, catching the ball. Kyle Rudolph is Kyle Rudolph. He will score touchdowns. I like all these guys. You know, watch the values on them. There's a there's a fair chance that with Cousins coming to town, at least these receivers' value is going to be a little too high to pay for. But, uh, you know, out of all of them, give me Diggs, give me Cook. Those are the two guys I like. And I would be willing to draft Diggs as a top eight receiver this year. Um, that would have been the case whether Cousins came to town or Keenum was back. I think he's outrageously talented. He's going to be 100% healthy coming into the season. We don't have to worry about who's throwing him the ball. Cousins is accurate. He can get it done. He's going to score. He's going to throw touchdown passes. And I think Diggs is going to be the guy to catch a lot of them. All right, so Drew Brees is still a saint. Two years, $50 million. So we did just say that Kirk Cousins made the most money of all time as an NFL player uh, at 28 or 29 million a year. Brees was offered 30 million a year to leave. He won't say where, but he decided to stay for 20. Poor guys, only getting 25 million a year. Um, we don't have to say much about this. This team's not going to change significantly. We were really hoping Jimmy Graham would come back to town and catch some touchdowns. But as I said early on, uh, watch out for Michael Thomas. Guys, Michael Thomas is going to shoot up your boards. Uh, he's going to shoot up the boards over the season. I think he'll be underdrafted, and he's going to overperform. Look for him to be a top five receiver next year. He's going to start catching touchdown passes. Watch it. Watch him. All right, so the Miami Dolphins made a couple of interesting wide receiver pickups. They signed Am Danny Amendola, two years, $12 million, and Albert Wilson from the Chiefs for three years, $24 million. Uh, here's the strange thing about these moves. We've now got Kenny Stills, Danny Amendola, and Albert Wilson, all guys who are sized and talent-wise slot receivers, or at least should be slot receivers. I want to know who's going to end up playing in the slot. And to be honest with you, whoever it is that ends up getting that slot, starting slot role between these three guys, I want them on my team. I think they're all really talented wide receivers. And I think all three of them, if given the opportunity, would be able to make the most of that slot role. I don't really love any of them as a number two across from Devontae Parker. Parker's certainly not going to pull a lot of coverages. Uh, so I don't love any of them as a as an outside guy. I love any of them as a slot guy. My preference would be Albert Wilson. Guys, Albert Wilson, over his 13 games in 2007, he had 42 catches, 554 yards, three touchdowns, which is his best. But he, the interesting stat for him is that he averaged 
the best separation in the league of all wide receivers. He was he had 4.1 yards of separation on every route he ran that ended in a target toward him. When so he he can get open. He's quick. We know he's quick. That's part of his appeal at the slot, but they're all good. Like I said, I will draft whichever one of those guys ends up in the slot. Wilson, I'll go a little bit higher than any of the other two, but one of these three guys is going to be is going to be pretty good for us this year, I think, in fantasy football. Uh, let's look at the Washington Redskins. Some other wide receiver questions to be made. There are a ton of fucking wide receivers gone on Wednesday, guys. That's Everybody was going wide receiver. That's it. Uh, and, and the obvious reason is that, you know, the running back class in the draft is amazing, and the wide receiver class looks like shit. No team wants to be left having to draft their wide receivers to fill that need. Uh, plenty of guys on the free agent wire. These guys are all getting paid. I mean, Albert Wilson had, has a three-year, $24 million contract for fuck's sake. So here's another one. Paul Richardson, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, goes to the Washington Redskins. Five years, $40 million for this guy presumably what to be the number one on the team here we've got paul richardson we've got josh doxson who really started to come on at the tail end of last year uh started to look really good and it was exciting going into this season what he was going to be able to do um we like alex smith well enough as a passer that you know whoever ends up as the number one on this team should be fine jameson crowder is going to be back from injury we've got three really talented receivers here None of their names are big names, so all of them are likely to go later in your draft than they should. It's going to be a matter of who do you want? Who really is going to be the number one, the number two, and the number three on this team? Who's going to demand the lion's share of the targets? My money would be on Doxon just because I really like what he's done. I think the coaching staff likes what he's done. None of them have played with Alex Smith before, so there's not any connection there maybe one of them makes connection during OTAs maybe one of them uh, really starts clicking with him during the preseason and and, uh, and, and training camp uh, let's let's keep our eyes on that because whichever guy comes out of this is the number one uh, that whichever guy comes out of this demanding the most targets is likely going to be really valuable for you and is going to be a great value pick in your draft because they're not going to go as one of the top 15 receivers in the league I think one of them ends up there my money's going to be on Doxson, although you know the coaching staff, or at least the ownership and management of the team, likes Paul Richardson enough to give him number one money. $40 million is significant. Sure, it's spread over five years, but uh, one of these guys, and my guess is Doxson. It might be Richardson. We'll watch to see who, who builds that rapport earliest with Alex Smith. Let's move down to Arizona, the Cardinals. I don't think they're quite done signing yet, but Sam Bradford is there. Mike Glennon also an Arizona Cardinal. We can watch Sam Bradford step in. He's got a one-year contract, $20 million, clearly going to be the start of this year, and he should be the start of this year. I think it's easily presumed that Sam Bradford's in there as a bridge quarterback. They are going to draft a rookie this coming year, um, but Bradford's got an opportunity once again somewhere in the league to make a splash. The thing about Bradford, guys, is that he's taken advantage of nearly every opportunity he's had. He's played great for a boatload of teams in this league, and I think he's going to come in and start hot out of the gates once again. Uh, you may be surprised to hear this. I certainly was surprised to hear this. Sam Bradford is only 30 years old, guys. Dude's got tons left in the tank. It's really just a matter of can he keep his bones where they're supposed to be in his body. Will will he stay healthy? Probably not for the whole season. 
but this is a guy that you're going to be able to draft super late in your league, start him for the first four, five, six weeks until he goes down, and by that point, you'll have a good idea of who's streamable, what matchups you want to play. This is one of those quarterback plays where, you you know, if you're in a 20-round draft, take him in round 18, 19, or 20 and use him for a few weeks before he goes down. He will get he will buy you the time to figure out what's going on in the landscape of the last, rest of the league. Now, once he goes down, abandon all hope for the Arizona Cardinals because Mike Glennon is just fucking terrible. Let's talk about the Packers. Uh, Jimmy Graham goes to the Packers. I know that Packer fans are really upset by this, but if you check back on one of my early episodes, uh, my free agent prediction episode, maybe episode two, I call Jimmy Graham going to the Packers, and there's good reason for this. All Jimmy Graham can do these days is catch touchdown passes. He's not really getting open playing against safeties or linebackers, but he can still go up, box out his basketball frame, and catch a touchdown pass. Aaron Rodgers has tried with a handful of tight ends and never really had what he needed for a touchdown tight end. Graham scored 10 touchdowns last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up another eight. He's, uh, you know, he's still Jimmy Graham, so he's likely to go earlier than he should go in your draft. But if you can get him really late, rounds 14, 15, uh, this is going to be a guy that scores some touchdowns for you. He'll end up in the top 12 in tight ends again this year, purely on his touchdown numbers. Nothing else. So when he's not scoring touchdowns in those weeks, you're going to be hurting. But I think I think a good good chunk of those weeks will have a touchdown in it. My concern here is this. I have been super high on Devontae Adams coming into this season. We saw Jordy Nelson leave, which we, we thought was going to happen. I expected Cobb to go too. He might yet still leave the team. But at least Devontae Adams is a very, very clear number one. This guy's been cutting touchdown passes for a few years already. He has got something going with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, My concern is that Jimmy Graham is going to take a lot of those red zone touchdowns away from Devontae Adams, where he has done some significant work in the past couple of years. Now, will Adams' target increase make up for the touchdowns he's losing in the red zone? Yeah, he's still going to be fine, guys. I called him to be a top five wide receiver earlier in the year. This this move maybe drops him outside of that top five, though. He's still easily a top ten, maybe six, seven, eight. I love him just a little bit less with Jimmy Graham in town. Let's move on to one of the more interesting stories. The Baltimore Ravens came into this free agent period as as maybe as wide receiver starved as the Chicago Bears, maybe even more so. They made some immediate moves. John Brown goes to the Ravens. We'll see what kind of role he can play there. Unfortunately, his sickle cell trade is not going anywhere. This guy's always had the tools to be an elite wide receiver. He's T.Y. Hilton, but a little bit faster. Unfortunately, he's not going to ever give us 16 games. It's it's just the cards he was dealt. So, you know, you've got to temper a lot of expectations with him. He's a streamer while he's healthy and when he's playing, but that's that's the only value he'll ever have. Now, the questionable move here is that the Ravens also go out and sign Ryan Grant for a whole shit. Who's Ryan Grant? Good fucking question. They decided Ryan Grant was going to be their number one ride receiver, and they were going to pay him like it. But there he is. He's the number one. Wait, what's this? Breaking news. Oh, Michael Crabtree's available, is he? Well, I guess the Ravens no longer want Ryan Grant. It's interesting that minutes 
after the Oakland Raiders decide to sign Jordy Nelson, we'll get to that, and drop Michael Crabtree, all of a sudden Ryan Grant failed a physical, and the Ravens cut ties with him. Strange. It wasn't a day later that Michael Crabtree was the new number one wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, which, let's be honest, that's a significant improvement. Like, by a lot, that's a significant improvement for the Ravens. At the same time, really fucking sad for Michael Crabtree. Guys, Michael Crabtree has been one of my favorite wide receivers for the last three years in the whole league. His target share on his team, a team with Amari Cooper, was always impressive. He was the guy that experts were saying, oh, he did it this week, but it's not going to continue across from Cooper for years. And I loved him. And I cashed in every year picking Crabtree up either off the waivers or late in my draft because people wanted Amari Cooper and his name. Unfortunately, this will be the first year in the last four or five that I won't be rostering Michael Crabtree on my fantasy team at all. I want no part in him anymore. One, he's going to be drafted way too high as the people out there like myself, the Michael Crabtree truthers out there say, oh, he's finally the number one. We don't have to worry about Amari Cooper anymore. There are no other receivers on this team, and they're going to go all in and take this guy way too high. Number two, Joe Flacco is a fucking terrible quarterback. I said it last week, wide receivers go to Baltimore to kill their careers. Michael Crabtree is no different. Let him get paid $21 million for his three years, but he's done as far as fantasy value goes, I'm afraid, guys. No wide receiver in Baltimore is worth owning. That's my two cents. All right, the New York Giants sign Jonathan Stewart. Two years, $9 million. Not a whole lot of money, but this brings up all kinds of questions. What's going on with Orleans Darkwa? He proved himself last year for the back half of the season, and the coaching staff seems to have not noticed at all. You have to imagine that Stewart's going to come in and hawk touchdowns. You have to imagine that Stewart's going to come in and at least be given the opportunity to be their first and second down back for a while. The Giants have an adequate offensive line. They have improved it over the year. Their run game sucked last year, but their actual offensive line run-blocking statistics put them about the middle of the pack. They made some moves to improve that offensive line, so it was exciting to see what's going to go on in this running back game. Uh, and and then they do something like sign 30-year-old Jonathan Stewart just to muddy the waters. We can no longer count on Darkwell even being on this team by the time the season begins. I think there's a fair chance that he's gone later. And they went out and not just signed a new running back, but an old one, which makes us think, hey, maybe with that second pick overall, Barkley's coming to New York, which would th throw everybody out of whack in this backfield. It's getting confusing here. It's getting too hard to figure out what's going on, and I'm really backing off on a lot of this. The one thing I will say, because you knew it was coming, is that this move might actually end up being a pretty good thing for Wayne Gallman. Yes. Wayne Gallman, my fucking butt buddy. I would share a sleeping bag with that man on a hot summer day. Look, we saw what McCaffrey did last year as the third down back to Jonathan Stewart. Not too bad. 
Uh, in PPR, McCaffrey kicked ass last year. Out of PPR was what it was. You know, I'm not saying that, that we're on the same team or with the same coaching staff, but Wayne Gallman can absolutely play a third down role, can absolutely be a guy coming out of the backfield making a lot of plays in the screen game, in the short game, much like McCaffrey did. And, you know, if if, if Shermer's got any kind of plans uh, for using Stewart as a 1-2, I think that speaks volumes for Gallman's opportunity. We know that Shermer likes to throw the ball to running backs and give opportunities for these athletic guys in space. That's Gallman, guys. Get, get Darkwa out of the way fine. If Barkley does not come to town... It, I I don't think this hurts Gallman's stock at all. I'm still drafting Wayne Gallman around the ninth or tenth round, maybe the eighth round, just because I really like him, and I'm probably going to reach on him. I think he's a stash for you as well. If you're playing best ball right now, uh, you're taking a risk pre-draft taking Gallman, but I like the risk. You know, we'll see what happens at the draft. This whole fucking thing could go out the window if if Barkley's in town. How about the Carolina Panthers, speaking of McCaffrey? Uh, Torrey Smith goes there. Torrey Smith is going to step right in, hopefully, and fill Ted Ginn's role. Step right into his shoes and start running downfield. Cam Newton has always loved to throw the deep ball. Torrey Smith is a great deep ball receiver. Now, it, it, we, we do know that this offense is trying to shift to a shorter, quicker passing game, so there's a question about whether there will be enough value Enough opportunity for Smith, but as a deep ball burner, you don't need a lot of targets in a game in order to capitalize. Look what happened with Will Fuller last year. Three targets a game with uh, Watson, and and he was fine. I think Torrey Smith is worth a flyer for sure. I don't think he'll be drafted at all in your league. So maybe an early season waiver wire pickup. A couple of deep balls a game. He'll be scoring us some touchdowns. Watch him do what Ted Ginn did. Jacksonville signs Dante Moncrief, speaking of deep ball burners. They also signed Austin Safarian Jenkins. I hate this for ASJ, who I think is supremely athletically talented. We know that Jacksonville doesn't know how to use a tight end. They killed Julius Thomas's career. Do you remember that big signing? I think ASJ goes from a potential top 10 to maybe a potential streamer with this move. As far as Moncrief? Moncrief is going to be drafted way too high. Uh, He can't stay healthy, but no Jaguars receivers can stay healthy. We know Moncrief is supremely talented, but again, he's not going to play 16 for you. All this says to me is I still like Keelan Cole best long-term on this roster. Keelan Cole is a great best ball pickup. Keelan Cole is a great dynasty stash on your team, especially after the Moncrief signing because he's going to drop down people's draft boards. Uh, let's check the New York Jets. Teddy Bridgewater comes to town for a one-year contract. Josh McCown is re-signed for a one-year contract. One of these guys is going to get to play starting quarterback. Who knows which one? Isaiah Crowell comes to town as a Jet, uh, but... I don't give a fuck about any of these guys. Let's be honest. We've said it before on this show. You want to stay away from all Jets. ASJ was the only one I liked, and he's not a Jet anymore. Look, people will tell you Isaiah Crowell was one of only six running backs with at least 150 carries to average four yards a carry over the last two seasons. I say who gives a fuck? Cleveland's line was 14th best run-blocking line last year, and he couldn't get it done, at least not on a regular basis. 
behind that line. The Jets line was 29th in the league last year uh, as a run-blocking offensive line. There's no chance he's going to get anything done there. I don't give a shit. I don't want any part of this team at all. Let your league mates go draft Robbie Anderson as they're all jacked about Teddy Bridgewater coming to town. Let them take Isaiah Crowell in the middle rounds. You don't want him. Uh, here's one of my guys, uh, Jarek motherfucking McKinnon, man. A few years ago, I tried telling everybody in my league that this kid was something special. They all laughed at me, and now he's going to get the opportunity to be the starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Four years, $30 million, but let's be honest, he's only going to play a couple of years on that unless he blows up. He's going to be given the opportunity to at least fight for that starting role. I think some people are going to be a little too excited about him going there, and they're going to forget that Matt Braid is there, and they will draft him too high. I'm not going to be taking McKinnon as much as it hurts me to say it because his value is not going to be there He'll be drafted as a top 15 running back. I don't know he necessarily ends there, unfortunately, this year. I would take McKinnon if I could get him in the sixth. Otherwise, give me Matt Breda. I think Breda's going to put up a bigger fight than people expect going into this season for for work. Matt Breda finished 10th in yards per carry this year, 4.4 yards per carry. He had 100-plus carries, uh, so he doesn't qualify that for that 150 I just mentioned with Crowell. But he's a scrappy kid. He's athletic as fuck. Uh, he's good with the ball. Give him, he's got a year under his belt now. I think he's really going to put up a fight for McKinnon, and I think they end up splitting a lot more time than people expect them to. Definitely more time than most people will expect him to come fantasy draft time. So, unfortunately... Pass on McKinnon, take Breda much later, and you know there's a chance he ends up with the bulk of the carries. There's a chance he ends up being totally streamworthy, even as a split share guy. Speaking of split time, Dion Lewis was signed to the Titans, which just burst every Derrick Henry truther's bubble. Finally, Derrick Henry was getting his shot as the dude in town, and then they sign arguably the best running back available in Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis is not that third down running back I've been asking the Titans to take all offseason long. They haven't been listening to me. He's an he's a three down back. He's one of the best backs between the tackles out there over the last couple of seasons. But again, this is going to be a fight for who gets touches. Expect a 50-50 share for a while because both guys can play. I think part of the reason they signed Dion Lewis was so that they can have two really good back-splitting times. They might even split series. Unfortunately, that means neither guy's really worth owning. I mean, maybe take one of these guys later if you can get him and hope for an injury, but you're not going to be able to get Dion Lewis later. Derrick Henry lovers are still going to be out there. You're not going to be able to get either of these guys for the value they're worth. So try to stay away. If you can maybe get Henry later, do that. We know that Deion Lewis has an injury history, so there's an opportunity. I think the real play here is let somebody else draft both these guys and then buy Derrick Henry in trade cheap in the first couple of weeks after Deion Lewis comes out starting with the bulk of the carries. Uh, and then just watch and wait as you stash Henry for... A, another year of potential wasted behind 
somebody else. Uh, total lack of potential sort of describes the Oakland Raiders moves this offseason. Doug Martin goes to the Raiders. No fucking thank you. He's totally done. Marshawn Lynch is still in town. No running backs are worth owning anymore here. I love Jalen Richard's opportunity. Pretty much out the window. Jordy Nelson comes to town for two years, $15 million. It's basically a replacement for Michael Crabtree, which is a huge downgrade in wide receivers for the Raiders. It feels a lot like Gruden's trying to, you know, put together an all AARP team or something. But Jordy's lost his touch. He's lost his step. You know, he, he had a significant de- decline last year in targets, in catches, yards per completion, touchdowns, catches per game, completion percentage, targeted air yards. I think he went from 16 yards or uh, maybe it was 14 yards per uh, uh, target lat two years ago to less than 10 last year. Uh, he significant decline in air yard team share. He they, they were going deep still, just not to him anymore, which is where he shined for so many years. Football Outsiders has two measures of a wide receiver's value. This is DYAR and DVOA. It basically talks about their value per player, their value over the course of a game. And he had an outrageous decline in both of these. Football Outsiders says stay the fuck away. And so do I. Guys, the Raiders suck. Don't don't put any Raider on your team this year. Save yourself the heartache. Finally, the Patriots. This is a team that everybody's been saying all weekend. It just doesn't seem to give a shit. They're not doing anything. They're clearly... Big losers of this free agency, right up there with Dallas. But, you know, Rex Burkhead stays in town, which for a while there looked great. They shipped off Deion Lewis. Burkhead is a guy that we think can carry the load for a team. And, hey, maybe Bill Belichick was finally going to give one guy an opportunity year long. But then they turn around and sign Jeremy Hill. Another great disappointment as I love Jeremy Hill's talent and potential if he were on the right team, but we know the Patriots are not the right team for any running back in fantasy football not named LeGarrette Blunt. Hill will be the guy that starts the season with the red zone opportunities and touchdown opportunities, much like Gillisley was last year. Who fucking knows what's going to happen? As always, stay away. You can't trust Uncle Billy with your running backs. Unfortunately, lots of moves happened here in the free agent period already, and most of them, for me, devalued players, decreased the value of players that I had really liked, decreased even further the value of players I didn't like. I just don't love any of the moves here thus far in free agency. The one that I will come back to and say has potential for some really, really hot sleeper action if he gets to play the slot role in Miami, Albert Wilson could be special next year. Okay, write that down. Keep it somewhere. Um, That's it. There were more signings, but I'm really tired of talking and I don't even have a fucking beer here today. So, uh, fuck you guys. Get the hell out of here. I'm gonna, gonna go jizz on my sleeping wife's leg uh, and pass out for the night. Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Football Fantasy. Do us a favor by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, and share our Facebook page. 
and leave reviews everywhere to let people know just how much you love us. We'll see you back next week to make more of your fantasies come true.